This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Faith in the Zone, a show about sports and faith, how the two come together and lives being touched. Right now, discover how people in sports walk in faith with host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on 1250 AM, The Fan. Welcome to Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM, The Fan. I am Mike McGivern, again, flying solo and looking forward to having Pastor Ken Keltner back in studio, hopefully right after the first of the year. I'm excited about today's guest. So last week, uh, we had a pastor from the Rock Church in San Diego, and and uh, really, man, I thought Pastor Greg Hendricks, Greg Hendricks was awfully good, and I reached back out and said, hey, look, he was really good, and I uh, would love to have another pastor on, and, and Pastor Darren Carrington is going to be our special guest for the entire hour, and Pastor Carrington, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well. Man, I really, really appreciate your your willingness to come on, and and you know I've done a lot of research looking you up, and and uh, look, I've been a Green Bay Packer fan. I've been living here in Wisconsin my entire life. So, if I say anything bad about the Broncos or any of those teams you played, I apologize. <laughs> no problem, man. No hard feelings. Hey, every day. Um, so two ex Packers work at the, this radio station. Uh, one is uh, Gary Ellerson, played for the Badgers, played for the Packers and the Detroit Lions, and Leroy Butler, who uh, played at Florida State and, uh, man, was a safety in a, in a corner for the Packers, won a Super Bowl, and he, he was on the with uh, with Reggie, Will, Reggie, Will, Reggie White, excuse me, and that group, and Brett Favre, and and uh, you know, uh, Pastor, when he started working here, it was like, oh my goodness, man, that's Leroy Butler. And now it's oh, like wow. now it's like Leroy, what Leroy? What I'm working here? It's just really funny because this is one of the nicest men. These two guys are just really good guys. And talk about an insight into the game of football when you're a secular sports station and you talk a lot of Packers to have these two guys on to be able to kind of explain what's going on on the field and in the locker room how they how they feel it's going on in the locker room. Um, Man, our listeners get a get a nice benefit from having two ex Packers. Hey, do you still follow the game a lot? I I do, yeah, not not as much, but I do a little bit, yeah. Hey, when um, let's talk a little bit about you growing up, Pastor. And and before we st- uh, we came on the air, I said, man, where you're living out near San Diego, and the church is in Point Loma, and I looked it up. And it's on the bluffs. It's just beautiful. And you grew up in the Bronx. I said, man, that's a long way from the Bronx. And you started laughing. You said, no doubt. Let's, if we can, start with growing up in the Bronx and what that, what that was like and, and talk a little bit about how you got to where you were football-wise. Did you, were you a single-sport athlete, multi-sport athlete, kind of stuff like that? Yeah. So, I mean, growing up in the Bronx, you know, it was, you know, inner city. It was, you know, we, I grew up in the project, so it was a lot of, People in a small 
a small area, and I, I played everything, I, you know, football, baseball, basketball, ran track. So it was, you know, that was kind of the way to just to stay busy and to stay out of, you know, on un, un, other unproductive things. So, yeah, played it all. My main sport actually was I love baseball more than any other. Man, what what position did you play in baseball, Pastor? I was yeah, I was the leadoff hitter and I played center field. So yeah. you, you could go get it then. Yeah, yeah, you hit it. I'm gonna go get it. <laughs> hey, hey, so you were probably a Yan- more much more a Yankee fan than a Met fan, right? One hundred percent. Yeah, Yankees, Knicks. Um, I actually grew up a Steeler fan because my cousin who I emulated, he was a Steeler fan, so. He led me into on on the Steeler on the Steeler side. Well, I don't pl- I don't blame you, especially nowadays. You, the, to be a Jets fan or a Giants fan would be really difficult right now. I, I got to tell you, our uh, my wife and I, our second favorite team has always been the Steelers, and I and I can't pinpoint why. But I had a chance before I started working with these radio stations. I was work- with a sports marketing company, and actually flew on the t- on the Packer team plane to a Monday night game against Pittsburgh. And Cordell Stewart had a game of his life. And they beat the Packers. Packers were really good back then. And it was uh, it was a long flight home because Coach Holmgren would not get out of the bus. We were on the, everybody's on the plane waiting, and he sat on the bus for about an hour. And he wouldn't get out. He just sat there by himself and kind of reflected on the loss, I think. And I'll tell you, being on that team playing – Man, you NFL boys, that's that's a nice way to travel. I got to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, we, I mean, it's a lot of guys, and you know, you, you gotta, you want to make sure that your guys are taken care of. So it wasn't too bad. What? Well, not too bad at all. Hey, the the, the yeah. when did you change then? Um, as far as what your main sport was, you played uh, football at Northern Arizona, fifth round uh, selection in the nineteen eighty nine. NFL draft, and w- when did you make that switch from from being a, a, a baseball player to more of a football player? So uh, in, in high school, I, I got injured my senior year, so I only played. Actually, I missed most of my baseball season and my football season. So I, I was a walk on at Northern Arizona, and I said, you know, okay, I'm gonna go to Northern Arizona, and I'm gonna play both. You know, I'm gonna play baseball and play football. Well, when I got there. They discontinued their baseball program the year that I got there. So I decided, okay, well, I mean, I don't have any other options to go to, so I'll just lock in and focus on football. Hey, Pastor, how did um, how did that school in Northern Arizona? How did they find you, or how did that happen? Because there's a lot, there's a lot of schools between yeah. where you grew up in Northern Arizona. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's wild. So I, as I said, out of high school, I didn't get any scholarships, so. My dream was to be the next Tony Dorsett, right? I played running back, so that was my dream. So I went to University of Pittsburgh. I walked on there. Well, long story short, I never got to even get a tryout. Walk-ons wasn't big back then. Right. So I never, I never got a tryout. And as random as it sounds, it's fact is I, went, I was in a, a store. I got a football magazine one day, and I said, I want to at least give myself a chance to play. So I thumbed through this football magazine and I picked out ten random schools and I sent them, I sent them a letter asking if I could come there and if I, you know, have an opportunity to earn a scholarship. And Northern Arizona was the only one to write me back. Really? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, so, so yep. you, hey, did you go then? You went to the camp. You'd never been on campus. No, I, I had never been. Wow. I had never been to Arizona. So oh, you know, man. I'm yeah. So I just. I go to, you know, Northern Arizona, I get there and, you know, we were having, you know, three a day practices. It was, it was awful. And I was a wide receiver and, you know, in the process of, you know, trying to earn a scholarship, I remember being there for, you know, um, the first year I was there, I got hurt. So I couldn't play that year. Then the next year I had a good spring. And I remember asking the coach, telling the coach, Hey, I need to earn the scholarship. And he said, you know, You've had a good spring, but we just don't have any scholarships out the position. And I remember asking him, I said, what position can I play to earn a scholarship? And he said, we could use some help at defensive back. Have you ever played that position? And guess what I said? I would think you said, yeah, oh, I, I, I grew up, in, I grew <laughs> up playing that position. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And that's how I switched from, 
wide receiver to uh, to corner. Yep. So you went from wanting to be Tony Torset to who, who was the who? It was it was well before primetime, I think, but maybe back in that era, right? I mean, who was the yeah, defensive I, back you wanted to be then? There, I mean, there there wasn't anybody. The, the only reason I went to defensive back was that was the that was where they said that I could earn the scholarship. Right. Yeah. So I didn't really have. You know, I didn't really have a lot of guys. <laughs> hey, did you did you just then go go start watching film, or did you just figure out how to be a, a cornerback then? It was, I mean, it was it was crazy that That's you know funny. I I I just I it kind of just flipped in my head, and I figured, okay, I'm gonna just do I'm just gonna do the opposite. I mean, I went against cornerbacks all the time, so I know you know how they're trying to stop me. So now I'm gonna just do that. Man, I I think that's funny. Did you uh did you consider yourself like a bump and run guy? Were you more I don't know what northern I don't know what you know defense they played back then. Were you more a zone guy? Did you like to just come up and press? Yeah, no, I mean I I was you know I was a bump and run guy. You know we played you know we played a lot of man coverage and you know again I felt like in my mind which helped me physically is I felt like I have an advantage because I played I played wide receiver. So you know I was a bump and run guy. I was. You know, by the time I made the switch, um, halfway, um, halfway through my junior year, right, I, uh, I was, I was playing defensive back. I was playing safety at the time, and then halfway through my junior year, two, two of the um, cornerbacks got hurt. So the coach comes up and asks me, "Hey, do you know how to play cornerback? What do you think I said?" Yeah, I think, yeah, I grew up. I think that's <laughs> the position I grew up in. <laughs> yeah, you know, absolutely, and. <laughs> You know, so it was. I played cornerback halfway through my junior year. Had a pretty good, you know, had a pretty good year, and then I played uh, my senior year. And you know, I'd grown a little, so now I was about, you know, about six, you know, six two. I was about one ninety, so I was a pretty good sized cornerback. Yeah, you bet. Hey, were were you surprised? And and you know, just so people have just joined us, we're talking to Pastor Darren Carrington. He is the marriage pastor at Rock Church in Point Loma, which is just out of San Diego. The website, sdrock.com. And and last week, if you missed last week, um, we had Pastor Hendricks on, and and I want to give you the mission of this church again, because we talked about this last week with him, but I think it's important. The mission of, of Rock Church is to save, equip, and send. Has been our heart and soul since day one of Rock Church. It is a vision to establish global hope, every street, every person. And let me tell you, I didn't talk about this last week, but I uh, need to talk about this year because or this week because it, it it popped up as I was doing some research, and I think it's really important. Two thousand, with the leading of God, Pastor Miles started the Rock Church in San Diego. It's now one of the largest and fastest growing churches in America with 18,000 people attending one of the four services across five campuses, in addition to online streaming, microsites, radio, and TV. So when we talk to these guys from the Rock Church, we're talking about a church that is a big, it's the biggest church, I believe, in San Diego, and they're doing great work. And and trust me, in, in the next couple of segments, we'll talk more about what it means to be a marriage pastor at Rock Church with our special guest, Pastor Darren Carrington. Um, we'll talk a little bit about his background uh, growing up in the Bronx and playing football. Pastor, were you surprised when you got drafted, or did you know that was coming? You know, I, I had a, like I said, I had a decent junior year. I had a, I had a really good senior year, and you know, due to my size and my speed, you know, I began to, you know, start hearing the buzz, you know, about, you know, me potentially, you know, getting drafted. Like I said, had a good year. And then, you know, when I got invited to the combine, I knew, okay, I have a real shot now. So when I go to the combine, I got to make sure that I, um, you know, that I show up. And at the combine, we have some pretty good, you know, defensive backs. I don't know if you remember a guy named um, Steve Atwater. Oh, yeah. He was there. I don't know if you remember a guy, Lewis Oliver, sure. um, uh, Deion Sanders. Like all of those guys were in my class. My grad, you know, my 1989, 1989 um, college college class. So hey, it was some good. It was some. It was some serious DBs there. So it just so happens last night I was flicking through the channels and I don't know if it was ESPN, but there, Deion Sanders was talking about. Hey, when I was at Florida State in the beginning, I was just Dion, and then somebody told me, you know, I need to, I need to uh, up my game a little bit. He said, "Look, I, I'm Dion. 
Primetime is the guy that made all the money. He's the guy that people wanted to watch and see. And they asked him about going to that combine. And they said, look, there's all these rumors that you just walked in, ran it, and took off. He said, man, there's so many rumors. Somebody said that he took a private uh, plane there, got out of the, uh, off the off the tarmac, got a car, went over, just took it, took, literally had his, his sneakers on and his gym clothes and ran it and set some record left. He started laughing. He said, none of that happened. He said, I don't know where all that stuff started, but none of that happened. But it was really interesting watching him talk about that type of stuff. And he talked about that combine that you were at. Yeah. Unbe- yeah. Hey, I was a big Steve Atwater fan, Lynch, John, all those guys. You know, I didn't like it yeah. when they beat my Packers in the Super Bowl. But I got to tell you, Atwater, man, he was uh, – I'm hoping he was a pretty good dude. He was an awfully good football player. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's a real uh, real good guy, man. One of the nicest guys you ever meet. Man, that's good. Our special yeah. guest, we're going to get to a break. Other side of the break, we're going to ask Darren Carrington for his testimony and where this started for him. And, you know, look, he was in a number of locker rooms throughout his career, played at a big-time level in the NFL, and now he's doing he's doing God's work as a marriage pastor at the Rock Church, Point Loma. It's part of uh, the Rock Church, and sdrock.com is their website. And we'll ask Pastor Carrington for his testimony on the other side of the break. This is Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio, 1250 AM, The Fan. More now of Faith in the Zone. Discovering people in sports and their walking faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Brookside Baptist Church. Back with hosts Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on 1250 AM, The Fan. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone. On 1250 AM, the fan, I'm Mike McGivern, again flying solo this week. Pastor Ken Keltner for Brookside Baptist Church is going to be back in studio as soon as uh, they open the doors to, to people that don't actually work here at Entercom, and I look forward to that. Our special guest, he is a former NFL player, played at a really high level. He is Pastor Darren Carrington. He's the marriage pastor at Rock Church in Point Loma, which is part of Rock Church in San Diego, and they're... Their website, sdrock.com, again, the mission of this uh, church. And the more I spend on that website and the more I get a chance to, to listen to Pastor Miles, the more of a fan I am. Boy, if you if you want to go and get, you know, just give yourself a half hour and, and watch Pastor Miles preach. And trust me, you're going you're gonna to just get fired up because he's a really good pre- preacher. The mission of this church, to save, equip, and send has been heart and soul since day one of the Rock Church. Hey, Pastor, second segment here on Faith in the Zone, we really like to kind of talk about your testimony and where your journey began uh, walking with uh, with Jesus Christ. Yes. So, you know, having, you know, growing up, you know, always having a dream to play, to be a professional athlete and thinking, you know, once I achieved that dream, my life would be complete. I wouldn't need anything else. And when that dream that came true in 1989, you know, I remember sitting in the locker room asking myself the question was, what is this it? And I knew, I, I knew that although I had all the things that the world told me, once you have these things, your life will be complete, I still felt, felt a sense of something is still missing. And, you know, trying to, you know, trying to find it in all these other, all these other, other excuse me, other avenues, I was like, man, what, like, what is it? And I, I seen Christianity, but I never experienced Christ. Like, I seen church, but I never experienced a relationship with Jesus. And it wasn't until, it probably was a, um, a three-year process. I was with Denver, and I was just attending church. I was just, um, you know, just a surface, surface Christian. Uh, and then I left there, went to Detroit. I came, when I came to San Diego for the first time, I actually saw men who are living for Jesus, not just going to church. Amen. Yeah, and through a relationship with a guy named uh, Gilbert, who was one of my teammates, and just seeing, one, how, how the respect that he had in the locker room, the way, he, the way he carried himself, you know, how he knew the Word, how he loved Jesus, how he loved his wife, how he loved his kids. That was really the first time I saw, man, that's what a man of God looks like, the peace that he had. 
you know, like despite everything that was going, you know, anything that was going on in his life, he just had this peace. And I remember saying to myself, that's what my life needs is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And again, he led me, to, he led me into that relationship. And that was in, you know, 19, 1992 is when I surrendered my life to Christ and, you know, began, began walking with Christ. And from that moment, the Lord just began to show me the things that he wanted me to change, right, so that I can be the best reflection of him. You know, Pastor, I'm, I, our second segment, it, it does, it puts tears in my eyes a lot. And and this is no uh, no different, man. The fact that Gilbert, and, and if you're an NFL guy, if you're a football guy, you know that name, and that you could sit back and, and watch that he was different. He was peculiar. And as Christian men, that's what we're supposed to, we're called to be that. And I, you know, in, in a game like you guys play in the NFL and how, how hard and fast and tough it is to be able to, to see somebody in the locker room that walks the walk. And when you, I, I just think, boy, that just brings tears to my eyes because I think as men, sometimes, you know, we're, we're, our pride takes over and we're like, man, come on, I'm, I'm not, you know what, I don't need to be like that. I don't need to be like this. But for you to recognize that you needed that peace, Pastor, I think is just a great testimony for what the Lord had in store for you as soon as you accepted. Yes, you know, it was. And, you know, like, as, just as you said, is so many times, like, if, if money, fame, and fortune was the answer, then everybody with money, fame, and fortune would be peaceful, would be happy, would be complete. And we know that's not the fact. And, you know, like I said, I didn't, I didn't necessarily know exactly what it was, but I knew, like, I knew that there was something, there was something missing. And I, I don't, I don't necessarily have a, um, a altar call experience. You know, I believe that Salvation, it, salvation happens in a moment, but, the, but the, to, to reach, right, to continue growing in Christ, it is a process, right? So I think it's a moment that starts a process. And I had the moment when I identified what I needed, but it was the process. It was the journey of me sitting back and watching, watching Gilbert, watching um, you know, uh, Miles McPherson when I met him and watching Sean Mitchell, I met him, right? Watching these men of God that I had never seen, right. you know, living for Jesus outside of church. See, it, it, Mike, it's easy. It's easy to, to fake it for two hours on Sunday. People do that all across the world, right? But it's difficult when you see a guy behind the scenes, when you see how he interacts with people when nobody's watching, and you know that, man, there's something different about him. And then when you understand, man, it's Jesus living inside of him, you say, that's what I need, and that's what this world needs. He is Pastor Darren Carrington. And, and guys, look, I get, you know, a lot of guys talk to me here in Milwaukee, coaches and, and people that I run into, and and they'll uh, Pastor, they'll say to me, hey, I haven't, I haven't stepped inside a church in a long time, but I listen to Faith in the Zone. Every Sunday at 8 a.m., I get my ears in, and I get my dog, and we go for a walk. And, and I will say to them, well, let's, let's talk about now taking that next step. And, you know, we're here to plant those seeds, and I think Faith in the Zone is doing a good job of planting seeds. To, you know, we're now starting our seventh year doing this show. And it's interesting to me what you said about the fame and fortune. We, we had Pastor Daryl Strawberry on, you know, ex-New York Yankee, and, and he said, look, I— all I ever dreamt about was being one of the best baseball players in the world, having all the money, all the cars, a great-looking wife, great-looking girlfriends, all the whatever, whatever I wanted, and I had it all. And I couldn't understand why I was so depressed all the time. I couldn't mm-hmm. figure it out. And he goes, I grew up in a faith-based family. I grew up in one, but I, forgot, I walked away from it because that wasn't my God was here on the field, and my God was what I could get in my bank account. And then I got put away. And he said, boy, that's, that's when it hit me, and that's when I opened up the Bible again. And, and now he's Pastor Daryl Strawberry. And I, you know, um, Pastor Carrington, I tell people that on this show, some guys, the worst thing they ever do is steal a candy bar. And then we got guys like Pastor Daryl Strawberry and myself that did a lot of things that, look, if the Lord's willing to accept him and I, 
I don't know why anybody is is you know struggling. Let's go. If he's going to accept mm-hmm. us, you know what? Come talk to me. Go out to San Diego and talk to Pastor Darren Carrington because there's mm-hmm. a place for everybody that 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 wants what we have. Yep. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And you know, it, it's so many people there. I've never met a person who is necessarily anti-God because they studied the Word and they've come to that conclusion. What I've found is I call them um, circumstantial atheists, right? Circumstantial atheists is a person that they don't want to have anything to do with God because circumstances have happened in their life that they feel like a loving—I don't understand how a loving God could have allowed those things to happen. Or it's the people that are representing Christ that don't represent him the right way. Right, so so those those are the things I feel like that holds people back, you know, more than anything. And I I I don't I just don't understand. Is is I mean I feel like man, living for Jesus, it's it's just a much better way of life. If you just took, let's just you take God out of the picture and you just wrote down the 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 potential benefits that you can have as a believer, and nothing to do with fame or fortune, money, but you know to to. Would you rather have a world that loves people, that is joyful, that's peaceful, that's patient, or would you rather have the opposite of those things? I have to believe that more than not, people would say, definitely want a loving world who everyone treats, who loves each other and treats each other, um, you know, with respect and with honor. 100%. Pastor, before we get to a break, when you talked about that first guy who, you know what, he just... He doesn't, uh, he, and you called, what did you call him? What type of atheist did you just call him? I'm sorry. Yes. So it's, so that I, I, I know a guy like that and he, um, I had this conversation, but I struggled on my end when, when I said, Hey, look, wh- why is this? Why do you feel this way? And he said, well, I'm an atheist. And I said, well, how long did it take you to read the Bible? And he said, well, no, I said I was an atheist. I said, so you've never read the Bible? He said, no. I said, okay, you're not an atheist, you're a non-believer. And he said, okay, I, I get that. I said, well, let's say that you're right, so you think we die and, and we go in the ground, and that's the end of it. He goes, yeah. I said, okay, so no harm, no foul. What I think I'm doing now, I think I'm a better husband, a better father, a better employee, a better friend. I said, so I die and go in the ground, but you know what? At least while I was on this earth, that was good, right? He goes, yeah. I said, okay, now let's turn it around. Let's say I'm right. He goes, I don't want to have this conversation. I said, I know you don't, but we had it, the conversation, if you're right, and he just kind of walked away. And so I struggle with, with that part of it. I struggle because I don't want to be what people would call a Bible thumper because I've made so many mistakes and my house is so full of glass that I can't throw stones. I can't because I've done so many ridiculously you know, stupid stuff over the years but with this man, I would like to be able to to, to know what to say to him, and I, I I can't reach him. Yeah, you know, I mean, what we what we have to what we have to be reminded of is is one is all you can do is all you can do, right? It's not our responsibility what someone does with the word of God. We're called to be a reflection of God. So my reflection of God is telling you. What, what Christ can do for you in your life, right? Now, what happens after that, that's up, to, that's up to the Holy Spirit. So one, I would encourage you to take that responsibility off yourself, right? Because it's not, it's not it's you, it's up to what the Holy Spirit's going to do. And two, right, we have to know that if people rejected Jesus, what makes us think that they're not going to reject us? Amen. Right. I, and, you know, here I'm, and look, I, I, you know, it's, I've been beating myself up over it. It's been like almost a year since I've had this conversation with the guy. And I'm telling you that I beat myself up thinking maybe I should have said this or maybe I could have done this or maybe I, if I would have done. But you're right. I mean, you're right. If people rejected Jesus Christ, what, what, what makes me think that, that this guy's just going to fully embrace, you know, the first thing I say to him, okay, take me to church and, and let me accept. So our, our special guest, man, what a great second segment. This has been Darren Carrington. Again, he's the marriage pastor at Rock Church. You can go to sdrock.com, 
sdrock.com. And we're going to talk with Darren a little bit about he, he was a pastor, a high school pastor before this, and now he is the marriage pastor. And I want to talk to him about the high school stuff, about trying to, to get kids in high school to understand and to believe. And I want to talk about that and then also the marriage side. Because there's a, a number of us out here that certainly at times should uh, have Darren, uh, Pastor Darren Carrington on speed dial, just so you know. And I know I'm one of them, so it's okay. This is Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM, The Fan. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone, an inside look at people in sports and their walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Brain Balance of Mequon. Here are hosts Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner, only on 1250 AM, The Fan. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM, The Fan. I'm Mike McGivern, our special guest. Boy, he's a good one. Former NFL player Darren Carrington, Pastor Darren Carrington, and he is the marriage pastor at Rock Church. Go to SDRock, San Diego Rock.com, SDRock.com. Pastor, before you became a uh, a marriage pastor, uh, you were a, a high school pastor where you served for eight years. Can we talk a little bit about that um, that experience for you? And and did you enjoy uh, working with with kids at that age? Yeah, I, I love I love working with kids at, uh, in the high school age because it was a I knew it was a time a pivotal time in their lives. You know, they were at a place where they were making, you know, making different types of decisions. Like you know, they say a lot of a lot of kids, a lot of teenagers, they turn away from Christ after high school. And one and some of the reasons that they turn away from Christ is one is I've heard that they said that authoritative figures are hypocritical. And the reason why I heard a lot of times they said that is that when they were when a, when a kid does something wrong, they are told to apologize. But when an adult did something wrong, they never apologize. They kind of just, you know, push their authority on people. So, you know, in hearing that and then knowing like where I was in my life during high school and wishing that I had someone that could give me direction, wishing someone that loved me for me. Like, that was a big thing. If they knew that I and the youth leaders, we loved them because of who they were, not because of anything that they can give us, because they couldn't give us anything, right? And right. kids, whether it was 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago, or whether it was last week, right, they, they, wanted, they want to be loved. They want to know that they, they're valued. They want to know that they worth they worth something, and boys want to know they have what it takes to succeed, and girls want to know that they're loved and they're cherished. And those things, that's the bottom line of it, is that those things won't ever change. No matter what happens in society and technology, it'll all go back to that. Social media, what is social media all about? Likes and follows and, right, if somebody unlikes somebody, they feel like, oh, people don't love me. You know, they don't, and it's, it's like, you know what, if you understand who you are in Christ, right, and you get that, that everything else is, everything else is gravy. Amen. I, I agree. I agree with that. You know, um, we have one daughter, I've uh, Katie and, and a son, Matthew, and, and Katie is five years older than Matthew. And, and you know, we were young. It, it, my wife, Terry, and I, I think we were married a few years, and then, um, we had Katie, and, and man, I had no idea, Pastor. I had no idea how to deal with a teenage girl and how to deal with mm-hmm. a baby. And and my wife worked on the OB floor at a hospital here, so that was right in her arena, right? She was great with, with, with little ones. And as they got a little bit older, you know, I, I was much better at it. But, boy, at the teenage level, I, I felt bad. I, I picked her up from a, from a dance one time, Pastor, and she was a freshman in high school, and and there was nobody else coming out. And I said, is the dance over? And she said, no, but they started playing slow songs. And you know, Dad, only the pretty girls get asked for that. Mm. And I pulled my car over. I said, do you have any idea that you're going you're gonna to have to wear sunglasses at one point in your life for the rest of your life because your future is so bright? And she said, you're just telling me that because I'm your daughter. And I'll tell you what, this girl, man, she's a, she, a phenomenal 
mother. She's a teacher now. She's a great wife. You know, she loves her husband, but she challenges him a little bit. She's a little bit more like me, Pastor, than, you know, my wife and my son are a little bit more alike. But my daughter Katie and I are like twins. And, uh, man, that age, I'm really happy that you enjoyed those years. I I enjoyed coaching at that level, but that was a little bit different. You know, I'd have them for six months, and and then i try to keep in contact with them a little bit. But, boy, if you get a chance to see them every week. Hey, the transition to be the marriage pastor at at Rock Church, um, do you enjoy that as well? Is is that more of a difficult position for you? You know— no, because what what I saw was that high school was really a symptom of something bigger, and that's where the Lord began to shift my heart. Is that's what He told me? He said, "What you're dealing with now it's a it's a symptom of something bigger. This is not the issue. The issue is, in a sense, upstream. You're downstream in this pond where all of these high school fish are swimming. But upstream, the reason why some of these kids, some of these fish are coming downstream." the way they are thinking the way they think is because of something happening upstream, and that was marriage. And what he, what he said is that, you know, I, I just want you again to right, be a reflection of me. I want you to, to bring, to not only have people thinking about the drudgery of marriage, but to make it, to, to make it fun, make it exciting. Remember, get couples to remember why they got married and why they fell in love and, and, to just to be normal, like you know, just to, you know, having fun together, and I feel like understanding that as long as all you have to do, again, as I said, is give them the word of God, guide them biblically. If you guide them biblically, if they take it and receive it, praise the Lord. If they don't, it's it's not on you because it's not your word; it's God's word, and that relieves a lot of pressure for me after a couple of years of really doing a lot of coaching. You know, with couples, I realized, you know what, this is not this is not about me. This is about God's Word. Just like I, we spoke earlier about you sharing with your friend is that he's not rejecting you. He's rejecting God's Word. So we can't, like, we don't want to take the responsibility. But, and I love being in the marriage ministry because, again, it's, it's an opportunity to help, right, to help couples to be, um, to prepare them potentially for, to have families that, and then they're going to raise these kids who love Jesus, right? So I've seen it at the high school level and now having the opportunity to, to um, affect marriages and help them to really understand how God made marriage and how, how we are supposed to uh, love one another. He is Pastor Darren Carrington. Again, he's the marriage pastor at Rock Church. You can go to strock.com. Hey, Pastor, before we get to a break, I had— um, this was a while ago and had somebody in my life who had two sons that were in high school and and she found out they were drinking and drugging and, and she came up to me and said, hey, can, can I ask you, how did you handle that part uh, when your son was in high school? And I said, I, I never did. I don't, I, I, I never did. And she said, well, can I ask why and how? And I said, I'm having lunch with them today. I'll ask them. So I said, Matthew, you know, why are you such a kid, a good kid growing up? And I told him the story about this, this woman who asked me that question. And he thought about it. He said, well, my faith was really important to me. I never wanted to disappoint my mom. And you scared the living daylights out of me. And I said, yeah. He said, yeah. I said, well, Matthew, I wasn't put on this earth to raise a happy child. I was put on this earth to raise a happy adult. Are you happy? He said, yeah, Dad, I'm really happy. I said, look at that. I did something right. You got to be kidding! And and I went came back and told this friend of mine, and she said, "Boy, we are in bad shape. We have no faith base to our life, and you know, my my boys don't care if they disappoint me at all. And my husband just wants to be their friend." And I said, "You need to. We need to have some conversations. You need to get going on this." And and I think she's done a much better job um, um, with with some faith base in their in their life. But boy, that's a difficult place to be. Yeah, you know, it is. And, you know, just as you said, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of parents, like, they, they they just don't know. Like, they don't know what to do. They don't know what to say. And, you know, we have to understand that, you know, your kids, there, like, there's going to be things that they do. There's going to be decisions that they make that may not, you know, be uh, aligned with what God has for them. But what we're, right, what we're called to do is we're called to, 
to love them through, right? To love them through those things and to help them to make, you know, better decisions, you know, in the future is that I feel like every, you know, everything that happens in life is really an opportunity, a teaching moment, right? So it's all in what we're going to do with those teaching moments, no matter what it is. And even as, as parents, when we mess up, right? When we mess up, when we say, you know, we say the wrong thing or we do the wrong thing or we yell or we, we you know, we lose control. We have to be mindful that we, we all, you're always teaching, right? I tell parents is when you see your kids' eyes, view their eyes as camcorders. When you see their ears, view their ears as recorders. And imagine they have a hundred terabyte hard drive, meaning that it's never going to fill up. But one day you will hear, what you said, you will see what you did, right? And just make sure that the things that's being recorded, you want repeated. Amen. He, I told you, I told you he's good, man. He's Pastor Darren Carrington. Again, the Marriage Pastor, Rock Church. You go to sdrock.com, sdrock.com. The mission of this church uh, is to save, equip, and send has been the heart and soul since day one of Rock Church, bringing hope and restoration to San Diego and beyond since 2000. We're going to get to a break. I've got uh, two questions, maybe three, if we have time, for Pastor Darren Carrington. We're going to talk a little bit about easier to walk worthy in the locker room or outside. I'm going to ask him if he had a chance, if I gave him the opportunity to put one football uniform back on, one that one that he's played for, who would, would he go back to, to, to high school in the Bronx? Would he go to Arizona to play for the high school or the college team, or would he put on one of the professional uniforms that he played? And we'll find out, and then I'm going to ask him his best moment as, an, as a football player. It doesn't matter. It could be an intramural game that he played. I want to know the best moment of playing football. He is Pastor Darren Carrington. Again, sdrock.com. This is Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM, The Fan. Back to Faith in the Zone, a journey on how people in sports walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Here are hosts Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner, only on 1250 AM, The Fan. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM. The fan, I am Mike McGivern, our special guest. I've really enjoyed this man. I've, I've learned a lot in this hour. He is Pastor Darren Carrington. Again, he's the marriage pastor at Rock Church in Point Loma. It's right out of San Diego. Go to sdrock.com. So, Pastor, um, easier to walk worthy inside the locker room. After you accepted Jesus Christ and Gil Bird kind of helped through that journey, was it easier for you to walk worthy inside the locker room or maybe you had some players holding you accountable or easier to walk worthy outside of the locker room? Um, you know, I'm, it, it's interesting that you ask that. I would, I would probably have to say it was, it was easier to walk probably outside simply because you didn't have the, the in-your-face temptation, right, of guys trying to get you to, you know, say this, look at this, do that. But I would say as time went on, you I, I actually kind of looked at that as a challenge. So then it became easier. Yeah, so it actually became no different to either inside the locker room or outside the locker room because my faith had become my life. It wasn't something I did. It was who I was. Hey, and I didn't, I didn't give you a heads up on this question, but I, I've got to know this. When you were, you know, at James Monroe High School in the Bronx, and if I if I walked up to you then, to that 18 or 17-year-old kid, and I said, hey, young man, you're going to be in the NFL, and you're going to be a pastor in a big church in San Diego, what would you have said to me? The NFL part? I would have, I would have, I would have believed because at eight years old, I told my mom I was watching a Monday night football game, and I told her, "Mom, one day you're gonna see me on TV playing football." But the pastor part, I would have, I would have walked away from you. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I think that that's really funny. As a senior or junior in high school, yeah, I'm gonna play in the NFL. But that pastor part, I don't, I don't even know what that is to be honest with nope. you. No, nope. unbelievable. I did not. Hey, if I could, if I could give you one more game, 
right? It gets you back in your prime when when you were feeling your best, playing your best. And and I could say pick one uniform. Of all the uniforms, James Monroe, right, the, the high school that you played at or uh, Northern Arizona or one of the pro teams that you played, what uniform would you pick and wh- who would you play against? You know, it's funny. It's, again, funny that you asked that. I wouldn't pick NFL. I wouldn't pick college. I wouldn't pick high school. I would pick Pop Warner. That's awesome. Would you really? When I played, when I played for the Bronx River Broncos because it was just that – childhood joy that freedom man it was it was was so wild you know we played we would you know we went by the rules but teams we play you know we're you know 13 and under league and teams we were playing against had beards but it was was (laughs) awesome and that's the isn't that the new york way wasn't that kid in little league he was about 16 or something wasn't he yes remember that right Yes. yes 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 that is the new york way right there that's really funny hey so if 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 I could be in your mind, one of the best feelings on playing, and it could be baseball, right? It could be football, but as an athlete, you know, what was the best feeling for you? You close your eyes at night and and you think, man, that okay, that that was pretty cool. That's maybe at the the pinnacle of where I, where you know I wanted to be, or that was so much fun to win that game with my boys, or whatever. What what would it be as an athlete? Your favorite moment? Yeah, man. Yeah, I I know you you're gonna. I know you in your mind you're saying, man, this guy played eight years and he keeps going back to childhood. But it was childhood. It was 12 years old uh, when I became the city champ of all of New York City in the 50 yard dash and the long jump. And the reason why that was so impactful is because we didn't have a track team like the guys who worked at our neighborhood center. They asked, hey, anybody wants to run in this track meet tomorrow? Meet me here at this time and I showed up, I ran, I won the first week. I showed up again, right, because I won. You go back to the second week, and then the third week was like like the Olympics. And, well, you know, I ran against all these guys who they had spikes, and they came on buses, and, you know, I was just a kid just running. You know, I didn't, nobody taught me how to run. I didn't <laughs> practice during the week. I just kind of showed up and, you know, became, you know, the, the, the city champ. And that was, I mean, I don't know. I, I still try to think about, man, what other moments top that but man that for some reason man that moment just sticks it just burns in my mind man that's that's my moment when i got up on that stand and put the medal around my neck like i won the olympics and then when i got home all the older guys carried me around the project (laughs) that was it that was it hey did your mom know that you were running in that and did she did she have any idea what what you were doing no, she didn't know until I won the championship, and she heard all this commotion outside. And she looked out, and she sees these guys carrying me around the neighborhood with medals on my neck. Oh, she must have been so proud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Pa- Pastor. So I got to tell you a quick story before we we cut you loose. I, I again, I retired from coaching basketball. The last year I was coaching, we won a state championship here up in the state of Wisconsin. We won at the Cole Center, and, and we had a we had a guard. His name was Traquan Carrington, and he was really good pastor. He was about 5'9", and quick as a hiccup, and, and finished around the basket all the time. He was just really good. And um, lived in a tough neighborhood here in Milwaukee, and, and on Monday, we won it on Saturday, and Monday I had to drop something off at his house, and he said, hey, do you got a minute? I go, yeah, what's going on, Trey? He said, you know, I had 31 family members at the state semis in the finals. I said, I didn't know that. He said, I had family that flew in from Atlanta. I had family that drove uh, up from Chicago. And and he said, coach, after we won it, they all came here. I said, really? He said, coach, we had a big party, man. He said, you know, that's brothers, man. We had the music going. We had the grills going. It was so fun. And at midnight, I heard all these car horns going off. And I walked out on my porch and he said, Coach, that people in the neighborhood pulled their cars up in front of my house, put their lights on, and they made signs that said, Way to go, Trey Quan, and good job, Trey. And he said, The lady across the alley, Coach, she's old like you. I said, Okay. He said, I've never talked to her, but I've waved to her. He said, Coach, she walked up on my porch and she was crying. And she, she hugged me like I was one of her own. And she whispered in my ear, Trey, nothing good comes to this neighborhood. You brought goodness to our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And he said, Coach, this is bigger than just me and you, huh? I said, yep. yeah, Trey, it's way bigger. And, and you know what, Pastor, I got to tell you, this, you know, it, it's so personal for him. 
and it was so personal for some of our kids that and I said, look, they can never take this away from you. You're a state champion. You just set us a division three record in the state of Wisconsin. You know, you had forty one in the state semis. You set a, a mm-hmm. state record. Your name's gonna be on that thing forever, Trey. And so I just, you know, that had to be what you were feeling, man, when they were carrying you around those, the projects and you had the medals around. And I just can't imagine being your mom and how proud she must have been of you. Yeah, it, you know, it was. And, you know, as you, you know, as I, you know, look back on it, that was my hope is, is that I, and I always, and I tell kids today when I go and I speak, you know, at different places is, man, don't ever, ever, ever let anybody you know, quell, you know, quench your dreams. Amen. You know, have a dream, and you you go for your dream. And if you, I feel like this: if a kid has a dream and they do all they can to achieve that dream, and it doesn't happen, I feel like they'll be okay. But it's when they don't do everything that they could have done, regrets is hard to live with. Hey, that, and you know what? That's how we got to shut the show down. Man, that is good advice. Pastor Darren Carrington. Pastor, this has been really enjoyable for me. Thank you so much. And, and I really appreciate it. I know the people at Rock Church, you know, appreciate the work that you do. So thank you. And I look forward to having you back on one day. Yes, Mike. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Excellent. Thank you very much. This is Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM, The Fan. You've been listening to Faith in the Zone with hosts Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner. You can hear Faith in the Zone every Sunday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. To find past shows, exclusive podcasts, or to contribute with an inside tip on a guest, simply go to faithinthezone.com. Faith in the Zone is an inside look at people in sports and their walk in faith. Join us again next Sunday for Faith in the Zone, right here on 1250 a.m., The Fan. Was it really amazing grace? Now I know for certain, Lord, it was you that rescued me. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.